Why, hello and welcome. Welcome to the Peer Pressure Podcast. I am Diane, sometimes known as Diane Kamikaze, and I am your host. The reason why I do this podcast is because I like to say I am a champion of heavy music. I've always found my favorite songs since I was a young kid had riffs, hooks, were either metal, hardcore, hard rock, or punk, or something fairly aggressive in attitude and sound. And I am all about appreciating the people that keep that world going, whether they're musicians, webmasters, other podcasters, record label and festival owners. It's important to me to recognize what these people do in that realm of music. So I am here to bring them to you in a different context, more than a Wikipedia entry or a press release, a little more personal and a lot more fun. I'm a rocker for life, and I hope these episodes do make a difference. Send me feedback at diane at wfmu.org. And my Facebook page is Diane Kamikaze Farris, Rocker for Life. Like my page there, and I will keep everybody updated on podcast episodes in that space. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned. My guest today is Kid Congo Powers. He'll talk to us about writing songs versus writing books, being a player in a band versus being the leader of a band. This conversation is originally from September 18th, 2014. He's on Twitter as Kid Congo Powers, one word. And we'll also chat a little bit about girl groups and more. I am Diane Kamikaze. This is Peer Pressure. My guest today, Kid Congo Powers. Are you there, sir? I am here. Hello. How are you? I'm good, good. (laughs) I'm uh, in Montreal, Canada right now, getting ready to make it to uh, Kingston, New York. And how long of a drive is that? I think four hours, four and a half hours. Are you the driver? A little time for border crossing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, we have to allow that. And uh, yeah. And and are you the driver? I'm one of four drivers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think we are all we are all we all have driver's licenses and are and uh, legal to drive. So Very good. And share the yeah. It's always good to be able to get into other countries and to return from them safely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how is the tour going? You're about halfway So far, there. so good. Yeah. Good. It's great. We're like uh, about a week and a half into it, and we just did three Canadian dates and uh, heading to the East Coast, you know, and we're having a good time. People, people are having a good time, and we're having a good time. Cause I think if we have a good time, people will have a good time. Uh, how could they not? So, Yes. <laughs> I think that you are sort of the king of good time in, wow. in, 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 some, in some unofficial way. Oh, you flatter me. Ah, oh, wait. <laughs> you haven't, it, I mean, really, because we can talk about you being really an international jet setter. And, uh, <laughs> well, you're, you're parked in your jet at the moment, but... Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it's flying high. 
<laughs> I would like to actually refer to Jet Setter because you have, you are all over the world, like, yeah, all the time. And what kind of a, what is it that calls to you to live in so many places and to be in so many bands throughout the, the scope of your career? The thing is that I I've loved traveling before I even before I even was in a band already. I had already traveled to Europe with a school trip from high school, um, and I begged my parents to, to let me go. And um, and then I, I went on the school trip. This was 1977, so I experienced like London and Paris punk rock scene. Of course, oh wow! Split from the split from the, the school group and went to punk clubs and record <laughs> stores, and <laughs> yeah, got a got a spiky haircut and you know <laughs> the chaperones couldn't catch up with you yes well i think as long as i got back in one piece they were okay about it <laughs> good how long was that trip for oh a few weeks you know wow really so i traveled all over europe and and i got a travel bug and then when i came back was uh Within a few years, I had met Jeffrey Lee Pierce of the Gun Club, and he had done the same thing and traveled to Jamaica and New York, and we were bit by a wanderlust bug, and, and that's something we really bonded on greatly. And then later, moving, it just seemed natural. We're just following our natural muse, if you will, mm-hmm. um, to what music and what's best for the music and what's going to make it all more interesting. And so... You know, moving to a new place is always a good way to shake that up and also for, for reinvention, always, you know, and new ideas. Different culture, different idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you go back to, say, like Berlin to play, mm-hmm. do you have more more of a home feeling? Like, where is the most out of place you've felt recently? Recently? Um in Hamilton, Ontario. No, um, <laughs> the most out of place. Um, I think we were in Eastern Europe last year, and that was, uh, I had been before, but it had been a really, really long time. And it just seemed like something very, very different, you know, uh, still a bit, uh, you know, cold and, uh, and uh, Eastern. You know, mm-hmm. and I had for- almost forgotten about that because I had lived in Berlin when it was just West Berlin. Yes. And we would go to East Berlin and go like, oh, here's where all the old part is, <laughs> you know, because West Berlin had been bombed and was all rebuilt. Mm-hmm. And um, since then, the borders have been open. One thing, Berlin has blended into one big Berlin. So going into Poland and uh, Croatia um different places in the east it was like oh, okay it's still really really the east so that, that that's the, the most different but you know the people there are just the same rock and roll people <laughs> and that's and it. the music that you make or have been involved in is really very universal it's like you have kind of a global oh. network out there because it's not uh i mean i don't i wouldn't even want to guess what american music would be we can't even really go down that Go down, no, no. go down that path. We'll be here forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, we use you know, we're American band, and well, just like the Grand Funk song, exactly. And <laughs> and we are, uh, you know, use we use American influence a lot. You know, it creeps in with everything else. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I'm 
I love you know blues music. I love uh, American roots music, soul music, and American soul music. And so I um, am always into using old American things, but then reinterpreting them and to create a kind of new language out of it. You know, I've, uh, you know, was very influenced by like, um, like someone like the cramps or in the, in the eighties, uh, um, the contortions who were taking mm-hmm. like, um, you know, right now you can like the cramps, you could mix a psychedelic song with a rockabilly song and it's kind of, we know what that is now, but when the cramps started, it was a complete revelation that you anyone would even think of doing that. You know, right. it was like wow, you know, that's in, insanity, and it's so right and so on spot. And you know, the same thing with uh, James Chance and the Contortions. It was like mixing, uh, you know, James Brown with Albert Eiler, free jazz and, and punk. It was just like what is going on? You know, when you I came, you know, coming from just liking the Ramones or something. You know? right. Even the Ramones was like, what's going on here? Right, <laughs> <You> right. <know? laughs> and I do remember trying to describe to friends of mine like what the contortion sounded like. Like in that time period, it's like, well, it's kind of funk. It's kind of crazy. Like, you know, we didn't really even have language for that. And I do also remember exactly. when Psychedelic Jungle came out, wondering about the title. Like, Psychedelic. Uh-huh. Oh, I think I, I felt at that time that uh, Songs the Lord Taught Us, etc., was a little bit more like garage horror, maybe. I don't yeah. even know. I never put a name on it, but then I remember sort of being a yeah. little thrown, like, what an amazing... <laughs> I have to thank you personally for being on that record, for playing on that record, because that's just oh, such a tremendous... I'm very proud of it. It was one of my yeah. first... That's my first recording. Oh, God, it is! Very first. Ve- that's my very first venture into a recording studio. Oh. I learned on the spot how to to, to record uh, when we when I made that album. Wow. What was that learning curve like for you? Um it was a uh, do or die. It was uh, it was really uh, it was good. I mean I had been playing I had really been playing guitar for one year mm. before I was in the cramps. <laughs> and uh but I had learned fast. So I had quite an aptitude and I was playing an open E tuning which is a kind of blues tuning and you know, Keith Richard uses a version of it a lot, and um, and you know, because uh, it was Jeffrey Lee Pierce reckoned it was an easy way to learn fast, and then I could play slide. But with the cramps, you know, I was kind of thrown in the deep end. And you know, I was a huge fan. I loved Brian Gregory, you know, and I loved yes. what he did. And so, to me, it was just like a bit of a tribute to Brian and a little bit of like, okay, now what else can I do? And kind of, I think my naivete worked in my favor there because I thought I could just do anything, you know, mm. and um, and it was just very much more uh, expressive guitar playing than it was anything technical. And I learned a lot, you know, Poison mm. Ivy was an amazing teacher and patient. And so, you know, it was just like, okay, I, I've got to feel these High heels of Brian Gregory, and <laughs> and I really, I really love his sound, <laughs> and um, and I want to take it further and and do my version of what he he was doing, and so that that's how that came out. So you know, it's kind of pure expression that that playing and it's rock and roll. Yes, and so there was no, you actually didn't really realize that there was fear to be had. Going exactly. into that record. Well, that's pretty great. That came later. <laughs> 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 and 
and back to that album, what was the um, the photo shoot like for the back cover? The, oh, the, the Anton Corbin yes, one? Yes, yeah, the, yeah, the photo the chairs, over at the table. Yeah, the chairs sort of coming through. Was that like a long exposure? How was that? Oh, yeah, yeah. We had to take the photo and then duck under oh. the table. <laughs> I don't know if I should be giving away Anton's secrets. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was it. It was like, snap the photo. Okay, duck. <laughs> and then I think he exposed it again. Ghost effect. Well, you know, but nobody would do that now because of digital and all types of things. Like, there, there had yeah, to be, like... Yeah, you could just do it in it, Photoshop. It was a very yeah. spooky photo for that period of time. It was like, oh, that's, wow, that's cool. Ooh, that's great. You know, and... Uh, and it was great because Lux came up with the tag. I don't know if you remember the... The advertising, the posters for the Psychedelic Jungle album was that photo, and Lux came up with, sit right down and make yourself uncomfortable. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted yeah. to refer to, there's a, um, a quote that I read that you said, when the cramps asked me to be in the cramps, I quit everything, threw my shoes in the air, and my books out the window and said, I'm going with you. <laughs> That's how it happened. Did you really throw your <laughs> shoes in the air? Wouldn't you? I, yes, I would. <laughs> did you actually throw your shoes in the air? I did. I did all kinds of crazy things. <laughs> so, I was elated, and I couldn't believe my luck. I mean, I, actually, I immediately called Jeffrey Pierce up and was like, oh, my God, the cramps have asked me to be in their band, and, uh, what you know, should I do it? Should I not do it? And he was like, are you crazy? Of course you should do it. <laughs> you, know, you know, to us, the cramps are huge rock stars. Yes. Which they are. Yes. But, but you know... You know, we were we were the guy, that time the Gun Club was a band that had you know four friends coming to see us, and you know a couple of the other bands, sing, older bands like X and the Blasters and the Cramps. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, look at how cute they are! You know, <laughs> something will come of them. <laughs> Pat them on the head. And, uh, and that was it. You know, it was like you know five girlfriends, and that was our audience and, and mother. So, so, so you know, at that time it was like you know Jeffrey was just saying, like, okay, well, do it, but get us some gigs. So we did. Nice. And then, you know, they, then their album came out shortly after Psychedelic Jungle. It's a huge, amazing hit. Yes. Right. And then how did that go for you? What, what kinds of things happened that you couldn't have imagined? I'm here now talking to you. That's what I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, the, well, career-wise, or just, the area you know, God, it's quite an adventure has happened. I mean, you know, it was great playing, you know, if, if you have to learn how to play guitar on stage, doing it with the cramps is a pretty incredible way wow. <laughs> to learn. And so, you know, that has always stuck with me, you know, the whole aspect of a great show and spontaneous and excitement and, and what what kind of magic can be made, you know, between audience and a band. And that was, you know, amazing. And I could never have imagined that one day I would be on stage and my hair would catch on fire. Oh, what did that happen? We were playing in L.A. at the Roxy, and and we we used to have candles burning on our amplifiers. And um, we would do... uh, uh, sunglasses after dark and I would uh, go to the we, I'd maybe making crazy feedback and go up to the, the amp and to get the feedback and lean over the amp and then one time I had so much hairspray Aquanet Extra Super Hold in my hair <laughs> that I 
leaned over the candles and then just people said they just saw this flame come out of the candle and like <gasps> jump onto my hair. Oh my goodness. And so, it was, so luckily I had so much hairspray on it just went on the outside of it just let whoosh. Oh. And then suddenly Nick Knox would like jumped from the the drums and was pouring beer on my head and tour manager <laughs> Bradley Field was like hitting me on the head. And I was like, wow, well, how, how bad was that note I played? <laughs> <laughs> right. Then, you know, the whole club smelled of, of, of stinking burning hair mm. and, and the girls were screaming so loudly and it was great. Well, you're, the, you're their hairspray. <laughs> no one was harmed and, uh, and, and not missing a beat. Um, Lux Interior immediately said, the days of miracles have not passed. We present to you Kid Congo, the burning bush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. So, yeah, that's, that was a pretty incredible thing I thought would never happen. So uh, one of the listeners wants to know, how could you not say that you are, just from all of the experiences in the bands that you've been in, that you are not the coolest person on earth? Like, you, you would have to be voted. Oh, I, can't, I can't possibly think of that. Well, how, I mean, how? <laughs> because I know, I know, I know. No, no, I don't know. It's nice. It's nice. Isn't this good? It's nice. It's like, is that, is that like, do I get a, a plaque that says it? I don't know. What, do you, what would you want? I mean, it's good. I mean, I do what I do. I mean, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, it's nice when people say that. I mean, it is really nice. And it, it, but, you know, it's something I can't think about. It doesn't do me any good to think about how cool I am. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. Which, it which, might ruin everything. Do you have any concepts you've wanted to explore, either in a band or just on record, that you haven't yet yet uh, done? Something that's sort of always been in the back of your mind? That's uh, funny. We were just discussing uh, if we should do a cover version album. and oh. What would that be? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure yet because we just brought up the uh, idea and whether it will be now or later. But um, but yeah, that that's one. Is a cover version band a, a, a album a good idea or a bad idea? That's the question. Well, I think with your band, it's a good idea. Okay, okay, then we'll do one. <laughs> good. I'm so glad we talked about <laughs> Thank you for making that decision for us. <laughs> You're welcome. Can you talk a little bit about the difference for you personally in forming bands like the Pink Monkey Birds and the Gun Club and then mm-hmm. and joining bands? Like, like, I don't know if it's having a role or something that you have to sort of pull out of yourself more when forming a band. Can you talk about the difference? Yeah, well, no, it's very different, very different. And... Um, I always like to say to Ivy or, or Nick, you know, or Nick Harvey, really, um, you know, if I ever said, if I ever was, you know, a monster or ungrateful, all is forgiven. Please forgive me. Oh. Please. <laughs> now I'm the band leader. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Uh, a lot more work. You know, the thing is, okay, this is what it is. When um, the vision of the gun club was a shared Thing with yes. me and Jeffrey when we began it, and then I left, you know, before the records came out. But you know, and when I rejoined, we still shared this like shared vision of what the band could be like, you know, and, and what just made decisions. And we always thought, as long as our our guitars were together, that that was a, a thing called the Gun Club. You know, with the Cramps and Nick Cave, um, those you know, those were someone else's vision. 
you know, yeah. I, I was uh, I'm very I'm very uh, honored and uh, and thrilled that I got included in 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 these visions and you know got to help decorate them. But you know that that's the difference. And you know, then starting my own band, I've always been writing songs or done projects with other people. I did the stuff with the Hout and um, and you know, I was uh, like venturing into finding a, a way that using my voice in, in a way. And that that was the thing is that when the Pink Monkey Birds started, it was it took a while for me to find my voice, and it. The thing when you have a pedigree, you know, especially something as strong as uh, the big three um, <laughs> that I have, the Cramps uh, Gun Club and Nick Cave, you're really expected to come up with the goods immediately, you know? Mm. And so starting for me, that was the only intimidation. And, and I, but I didn't record a Pink Monkey Birds record for a few years and, uh, because I really wanted to find it, the sound, you know? Because be, before I had made a solo record, well, sort of solo record with a band called Fur Bible with Patricia Morrison after the demise of one of one of the many demises of the Gun Club, mm-hmm. and um, that's the only time I felt like, wow, I made a bad record. And it was just a record my heart wasn't in, and I, I and I for years it was my shame, and oh. and then um, some years later when the Pink Monkey Birds started touring. People were like, oh, I have that for a Bible album. The record is so great. And is there more of that? And like, oh, it's so amazing. And I was like, are you insane? You know, that's the worst thing ever, you know, and I, I can't even listen to it. And somehow someone made me listen to it. And then I was like, oh, it's quite good. <laughs> you know? good. It's not as bad. It was just a personal association. That The thing is that I take it serious, you know, that I want things to be really good, and I want them to come from the heart, and I want it to be, the whole experience to be good. I don't know if that's um, idealistic or not, but um, it is a criteria and I like to keep up. Um, so, you know, so, so I had to let the Pink Monkey Birds happen and go through a few lineups and try different things, and for a while I was just the singer, didn't play much guitar, and then I realized that's not what people want, and it's not what I want, and, um, you know, with the latest version, when when I started playing with uh, Kiki Solis on bass and Ron Miller on drums, who is still now, um, the minute I played with them, I was like, oh my God, here's my band. Oh. sound I've always wanted and it took me like five minutes to realize it you know if that long and we've been together ever since you know for three albums now and in many years of touring so you know it, it, it's something that I think a lot of bands uh, have this uh, it's a pressure sometimes you know to come up with the goods immediately and not have time to let it happen and, and I know, and it took a while for the pink monkey birds to happen, but then it, and it happened. I found a way to use my voice, you know, that was not, first I was trying to be more singerly, and now I realize, okay, I could try this, you know, find out what the strength in my voice is and how to use it and how to not use it and what's what's not the strong part. I'm not a good screamer or <laughs> mm. I'm not a, a Good harmonizer, good talker. Yes. (laughs) Well, and you were taking on something new. I mean, the whole idea of fronting a band after having been in, you know, bands that really are sort of known. Traditionally, no one one wants the guitar player to sing. 
<laughs> you don't want that side man solo album, you know. <laughs> but um, and I've been prejudiced of this too, but and had many complaints, you know. But we uh, we decided to ignore that uh, that feat and uh, and 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 to go on to. Uh, Make something out of it. Go the distance. Well, I'm glad you, know? you did. Did we you? Have a, we, we have a we have a very good work ethic. You, you know, I'm Aries, and you know, a lot of Aries, the Ram. You know, you just kind of a lot of Aries Ram through stuff. But then there's the other kind of Aries that we're going to get there, but and we're but we can buy it our time getting there. You know, but, um, so that that that's the kind of Aries I am. I'm like okay. I, I can work for this, and I can. I, I have my eye. I have the vision, but I have to get there somehow. You know, so that's me. You know, the Ram. I'm going to get there. And and do you feel fully supported by these guys? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. They. I can't. I mean, the thing. It's called Kid Congo and the Big Monkey Verse, but it's a, a collective. You know, band. It's a band. We all contribute songs. The drummer might write a song on guitar. The bass player might write a song on the piano. I might come up with a drum part. You know, it, it works very collectively with me. Me and Kiki and Ron now have been together since 2006, right. playing together. Even though they they don't want to do interviews and <laughs> that kind of thing, um, they're very much as part of the creativeness of, of the band and as as I am you know, so it's a very shared would it be okay with you if you, if they were to do the interviews I would love it oh, oh, <laughs> oh I'm, I'm hearing a little overwork there uh, <laughs> <laughs> but not with you of course not I would have insisted I do the interview with you. Right, right. Beyond with Diane. But that, that, that's the role they want to be in, and, and I respect them for that. And they're, they're working there. Well, and you know that you can, off. And you can count on them for that. Oh, I can definitely count on them for that. Yeah, I feel like they have really uh, made it happen, you know. And they have, it's a shared, another shared vision. You know, they know exactly what to do. We don't have to talk a lot about anything about music, musically. It just kind of happens. And, uh, and we, now we have a newer guitar player, Mark Cisneros, who is from the band in D.C. called Medications, and more, more recently Death Fix, which is a band with um, Rich Morrell and um, Brendan Canny from Fugazi. Mm. But, um, but so he's been, he came on for a tour and is still here. <laughs> there you go. He's a great, great guitar player, and he's really added a nice new uh, Chicano rock sort of a, a sound for us. It's good, great ideas. And he plays a saxophone. Oh, very good. <laughs> so maybe there's some sax in the future. Mm. <laughs> hey, I've got a couple of uh, listener questions here. Um, sure. who, who are your favorite guitar players? Jimi Hendrix, Poison Ivy. Um, John Lee Hooker, Pat Place from the Contortions. Mm. That's just, that's a that's one list. That's a great list. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> well, uh, they're all people I've learned from. I've I've looked up to and learned from Roland S. Howard. I, please do not let me forget Roland oh, S. Howard. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, incredibly. You know, I, I love Roland's playing and 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 
new his last album was so so incredible and um you know i knew when i heard the birthday party do a version of gene vincent's Catman, like <laughs> his playing completely made sense to me and i knew he was coming from somewhere similar that i come from and um very extreme very uncomfortable uncompromising and very much his own sound i mean and that's the thing with these guitar players i mentioned they have their own world they've created and, and to me that's really important and it sounds as if that's what you really do yourself yeah yeah i i, I like to I'm still, yeah, just an expressive sort of player more than any technical player. Mm -hmm. More about sound and pictures and blocks of sound for me than it is about shredding. (laughs) 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 That's funny. I I wouldn't... wouldn't, As the kids like to say these days. I don't think I would use that term in relation to to you. (laughs) No, I'm shredding. I'm shredding traditional. (laughs) I I would imagine you like shredding documents. Like, like there's some... (laughs) I feel it's like, yeah, it is expression. It's playing. And and it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's more... I feel more yeah. heart there than than yes. basic shred. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah, it's rock and roll at, at its most primal, but it's also artful. And that's the best kind of rock and roll, I think, you know. I feel like that way, definitely about the cramps, and I feel that way about the gun club as well. Can you, cave, well. Can you name a couple of girl groups, favorite girl groups? Oh, Shangri-Las, of course. Of course. Number one, Shangri-Las are number one. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I have a good story that when I was um, when I was a kid, I was watching the Shangri-Las on TV with my family, a little, little, little kid, and they were doing You Can Never Go Home Anymore. Mm-hmm. Or I, I'm pretty sure it was on TV. And I said, I, I, saying a phrase I had heard my parents say, I said, what is, you know, she breaks down crying in one part. And, and, and it's like, I said, what is that la-la-la doing crying? And I was punished on the spot oh. for that. And then I thought, and I thought, but the thing is, it's, it's weird. You know, we can ask the psychiatrist about this later. But um, <laughs> we, we, but, but that made me love the Shangri-Las. It was like forbidden and I had really hit a nerve with my family oh. saying that, and like you know, so you know, I had defied my parents. Yes, you know, yes. And, and that was uh, so in the spirit of the Shangri Las, you know. And later, when I when I when I um, was doing like thinking of a way to you know, I was you know, I've gone through so many looks, and for a while in the cramps, I was like, well, I want to look like what the Shangri Las boyfriends. I look like one of the Shangri-Las and what their boyfriend might look like. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like a greaser with a beehive. <laughs> 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 or one of the Ronettes, you know, right. Ronnie Spector, you know, kind of Ronnie Spector with, uh, you know, with, uh, he's a rebel, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the crystals. But, um, so that, 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 yeah, girl groups, I love them. Awesome. All the great people love the girl groups. What is going on with your memoirs? 
Oh, I have a piece of my transcript right in front of me. Um, yes, I, I've actually, I don't have a publisher yet. I'm, I'm going to finish it and then get a publisher. I have a few people kind of sight unseen who said they would do it. So it's, it's something will happen definitely. And I'm working with an editor. I turned in a first draft and I'm doing a second draft now. So he, he gave me some corrections and where I need to fill out more. And so it's, it's actually really almost there. And um, I've been writing for really eight years and just piece, piece at a time. And I wanted to write it myself and not get a ghostwriter. And it was a much bigger project than I had anticipated. And then, you know, working with the editor, we're going to keep it. It's kind of a very much a coming of age. It's very much my Los Angeles life, which is childhood to 1984, which is when the gun club moved to England. So um, that's the time span. So, But it does encompass the cramps in the gun club and uh, my relationship with Jeffrey. And a lot of it is being a kid and how I never thought I would end up a musician, but I always, since I was a, since a, as a child, wanted to be near music. So, you know, it's, it's a funny story. Lots of funny stories. I had read that you originally wanted to be a music journalist years ago. Yes. Does yes. this does doing this book sort of satisfy that, or is that just sort of gone in the wind now? Uh, no, it does. It does. I like I like writing uh, journalism, but writing a book is very different from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, from you know opinion or uh, and writing about yourself is very very different than writing about someone else. But but it does. Yeah, I love writing, and I, I'm I, again. It's another goal I had was to finish, to, is to finish this book, and I have, uh, you know, put excerpts of it, you know, I did a thing in the Huffington Post recently, and uh, just different things. I have just did a reading in Columbus, Ohio, at a record store. I have to wait. I have to finish it. I just have to finish it. You have to finish it. That's all. <laughs> I'm, yelling, I'm yelling at myself. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. We all do that from time to time. You said that you got an editor. Are there times when you wanted to edit yourself and say, oh, I shouldn't have even written that part? Like things where maybe well, you felt exactly just too it. personal? That's what the editor is like, I can see that you were going to write something and you didn't write it. Oh. <laughs> so that's what the good part of the editor is. Oh, good. Or kind of, he's the opposite. And I went to a few like writing workshops and stuff uh, in the D.C. area, really nice good ones. And it was good because I, I got to get people who have no idea who I am and maybe don't even know anything about rock and roll music or right. what that is. And and it was good. It was a good thing, a good boost of confidence to see that they got what the story was and you know, just the experience. So was this gonna be like so, the, the fur Bible, like you're not gonna wanna actually read it once it's out? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> No, I like listen to records. Like I think when it's done, it's done. And I listen to records maybe a year after they're done. Mm. Give it a listen, you know, just to see what it was. Because sometimes, you know, for a while, all you do is listen to a record and see a fader on the on the thing you should have pushed up on the desk, on the right. mixing desk you should have pushed up mm-hmm. or something. That's all you I hear. It's it's, it's going to happen. It's happening. Which brings us perfectly back to your new record, your newest record, Haunted Head. Can you listen to that? That I can listen to, yeah. I'm very mm-hmm. proud proud of that record. And it's the first record we've done 
completely autonomously like we recorded it ourselves uh, and um the former guitar player jesse and ron miller the drummer you know did the re- actual recording and ron ron mixed it so i'm, I'm very proud with this with, with the sound the songs and 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 everything and, and that we did it with any outside you know mixing or, or anything you know at our workspace in the we i think we've learned how to use the workspace in kansas where we are recording which our drummer ron lives in a high school he bought a high school in rural kansas in a town called harveyville which is a population 250 total wow uh, yeah so there was obviously not a big need for a giant high school <laughs> and so him and his uh, lady have moved in there and they were looking for alternative spaces to live in and um they bought it and i'm like wow you bought a mansion that just doesn't look like a mansion you know right. a bas- basketball court and a gymnasium oh and my god kitchen the size of a cafeteria wow. and 14 rooms you know and four bathrooms so you know and this much land so they they do workshops and they use it as they actually run an artist retreat there because it really is quiet in a great place to work. So, um, and it's called the Harveyville Project. So we've been doing, we've done the last three albums there. It's our inspirational work workspace. That sounds like a lovely space. Yeah, it's good to get out of the city and do it. So it's, it's, it's yeah, no distraction. I know that you need to get on the road, so I want to be... Yeah. Uh, diligent about the time and thank you for spending the time yes. we're late it's your fault it is my fault that's right you can i'll give them my phone number to call and i'll yes I'll, exactly i'll call yeah, we'll for you yeah. um in real quick spur of the moment can you name like four songs that you love yeah well i, I, I was thinking of things that were super influential mm-hmm. the first time i heard human fly by the cramps mm. i I, you know, freaked out. I think when I, from writing this book, I realized that when I was a little kid, the opening of Axis Bold is Love, a Jimi Hendrix album, it's a, a spoken word and just weird, funny thing about, called EXP, where it's a, they're talking about UFOs and abduction and blah, blah, blah. Oh, cool. And, and then Jimi Hendrix starts making these sounds that are supposed to be like a spaceship taking off. And so that was hugely influenced on me. Uh, the Midnighters, Whittier Boulevard, you know, my L.A. roots. And uh, what an amazing, amazing instrumental, you know, and fun and just hugely. Yeah, the guitar play, the guitar sounds it sounds like they were recorded in a gymnasium. That's when Ron mentioned, you know, I just hear that song being recorded in a big hall, whether it was or not. The contortions, you know, contort yourself. Again, the guitar playing. And also, you know, I met Jeffrey Lee Pierce at a Para-Ubu concert. And, oh. uh, some of the guitar playing and different sounds and ideas on the, the Para-Ubu non-alignment pack. Oh, yeah. Dance album. That that's hugely influenced, and I could love that song, could hear it forever. And uh, the minimalism and great mood made by John Lee Hooker, um, Madman Blues. You know, that's to me just like so complete and minimal and menacing, and 
menacing. Great, yes. Do you have a favorite horror movie? Favorite horror movie? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, well, recently I just saw Under the Skin, which was actually sci-fi, but I thought it was kind of a horror movie. Mm. But horror, really horror movie. I don't know. They saved Hitler's brain. It's pretty funny all the time. <laughs> <laughs> do the do the bidding of the head. <laughs> a head in a bell jar. <laughs> it's hard to go wrong. <laughs> when that when that's the lead, <laughs> I'm going to let you go. I just really want to thank you so much. One for just being well, available on the road, and for you know for really being like the common denominator in some of the greatest bands of our time. You know, you bring okay. style and humanity and talent to all of us, and you are really appreciated. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. The listeners love that's you, and they're just so. Yeah. I'll, I'll, it's always. It's yeah. always. It's really good to hear. Have, a, have an excellent show. So, Kid Congo Powers, yeah. thank you very, very much. Okay, and, uh, thank you so much. Drive safely. And see you See you all later. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. And let's see, we're going to play... Da, 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 da. Haunted Inn. And that concludes another podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. More on the way. I am Diane Kamikaze. Check my Twitter and my Instagram. Handle is one word, Diane Kamikaze. Kamikaze ends with an E. On Facebook, you can find me as Diane Kamikaze, Farris, Rocker for Life and Making a Difference. The full link to my uh, index of shows and podcasts is can be found on wfmu.org slash playlists slash DK. Those are, that's a capital D and a capital K. I'm going to be working on encore presentations, and I've got years of old interviews and podcasts. So if there's something that you'd like to see reposted that you missed, please get in touch. Send me email, diane at wfmu.org. And be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you like it, please rate it and review it. Wow. WFMU. Peer pressure. Thank you. See you next time.